friends, it's Kimberly here with Specialty Care Management. And today I just wanted to share just a little bit of information about why we're so passionate here about the upstream mitigation for dialysis with our chronic disease, chronic kidney disease or CKD management program. A lot of times when I'm talking to folks, I might hear something like, well, you know, I don't have any dialysis right now and I'm going to celebrate that with you. However, keep in mind that one in three folks who have diabetes probably have kidney disease and don't even know it. 15% of adults here in the U.S. have CKD. And again, keep in mind, nine out of 10 folks who have kidney disease are completely unaware of it. How does this happen? I'm asked this all the time when the light bulb goes off. How come nobody ever told me this? And it's multifactorial. CKD is a pretty complex, um, the pathophysiology is fairly complex. But when you consider that almost 60% or over 60% of the causes of the new cases of CKD are actually caused by diabetes and hypertension, diabetes being the number one driver for CKD. To truly mitigate the risk of dialysis, right? The best way to mitigate that risk type is to not develop kidney disease in the first place. This is where our attention is focused in terms of our CKD management program and really helping folks to understand how these factors come into play um, with their overall kidney health, keeping in mind that these drivers, the pathophysiology that's involved in damaging the delicate structures in the kidneys, they're the same pathophysiology that affects the heart and the liver. That's why I frequently call the benefits of, a, of our CKD management program are really to, to bolster and help members have higher levels of wellness in terms of their cardiorenal hepatic health, because it's really gonna affect um, all three of those organs. So why is it that most people never hear anything about kidney disease until they're in the dialysis chair? When you consider there are five stages that people have to go through, it's fairly complex. And many times people have heard, um, you know, or you might even yourself, look at your GFR. Uh, go ahead, you can pause, get your GFR, get your last labs and see if you can find your eGFR. In some labs, it's listed eGFR. Sometimes it's listed GFR. Sometimes it's listed glom fill rate. Sometimes labs don't even show uh, a number for your GFR. You might just see that greater than sign, greater than 60. And let me tell you why that can be misleading for folks. Oftentimes, even after working with one of the nurse coaches, the members will say, well, I called my doctor's office and they probably got some MA in the office or somebody who does not really fully, um, uh, doesn't have a robust working knowledge about CKD. And the little MA or somebody in the office is going to read their labs and say, yeah, it's greater than 60. It's normal. That's not necessarily true. The true normal for kidney, for kidney function, for the GFR, now keep in mind, we're talking about GFRs here. And GFR stands for glomerular filtration rate. Fun word to throw around in parties. But basically, the glomerulus is a lot like, it's a lot like the filter in my Brita water filter. Do you have a water filter on your kitchen sink? It's a lot like that fil filter. The glomerulus is kind of like 
I, I imagine it's like this ball of yarn, only this ball of yarn is really made up of capillaries. It's a filter. We have a lot of them in the kidneys. And so the glomerular filtration rate or GFR is a way for us to estimate how fast our filters are filtering. Just like your water filter on your kitchen counter, when you put a new filter in there, it's gonna filter really fast, right? And as that filter gets old or damaged, it's gonna filter slower and slower. If I go out to my mom's house who lives on a well with lots of minerals, lots of sediment in her well water, uh, it can take a long time for that to filter because there's so much junk in her water, right? So say same process, simplistically, is at play here. And so what we wanna look at in terms of kidney disease is understanding that the true normal for your GFR is above 90. And once that falls under 90, you may or may not be developing kidney disease. And so it's kind of complex. Here you'll see on this graph, this represents uh, the GFR in relationship to proteinuria. Protein is a big molecule, shouldn't pass through the filters in the kidneys, right? Like I filter sandy water through my Brita water filter, the sand, I shouldn't see sand in the bottom of my pitcher, right? If I do, I know that there's, that I've probably got a hole in my filter. Very similar process is going on in the kidneys. So you can see here, the real danger areas where we see a decline in, kid, in GFR along with proteinuria. So those two factors are really important. Big thanks, I tell you, Bald Bob, Bob McCollins, uh, he is a spearheading a fantastic coalition. I highly encourage you to follow him. He's got some great material. And the National Alliance here for the Healthcare Purchasing uh, Purchases Purchase Coalition. Um, phenomenal group uh, organization really working upstream to help folks maximize their wellness, ergo reducing healthcare costs. He's got an action brief out specifically on kidney disease fantastic information therein. I highly encourage you to print it off and read it. If you're an employer and you're thinking, well, why the heck should I care about CKD? I don't have any dialysis in my group. Well, it's right here. He's going to tell you why you should care about kidney disease. It's incredibly expensive. Each time a member advances in stage, um, they become 57 times more expensive. And most of the time, your members aren't going to be diagnosed until they're here. Late stage three or stage four, people think, well, what the heck? How is that possible? And oftentimes, it's not uncommon. I've had scoins of conversations with people who are down here in the teens and 20s, and now they're being told they need dialysis. And they ask me, how come nobody told me this before? Keep in mind, like we talked about, every time a member advances in stage of dialysis, they become incredibly more expensive. Keep in mind that that bulk of that burden and expense is gonna be shouldered by your commercial groups. So people ask me, why the heck has nobody told me that? If we go back to understanding that a true normal for a GFR is above 90, not this number, but it's 90. If you look on this graph, this is really a popular graph and it shows that somewhere between 120 and 60 is normal. So most of the time we don't get excited. So no alarms or bells or whistles are going to go off until it drops under 60 
and it stays under 63 readings in a row. That's not to say that up here, somebody doesn't have kidney disease, right? Here's an area right here where you can be developing kidney disease and not know it. If a member is progressively declining, maybe they're in the hundreds, maybe the following year they're 90s, then they're 80s, then they're 70s, then they're 61, it's still above 60, so no alarms or bells or whistles are gonna go off, right? And then the next time they do labs, maybe they're 57. Ah, so here's why we typically don't get too excited. That GFR can fall simply because your filters are getting older, right? So you can see here, as we get older, it's a normal finding for the filters to slow down, okay? So that GFR can decline just because we're getting older. It can sometimes decline because we maybe we're dehydrated, just like that filter on my kitchen counter. If I run that dry, which my kids frequently let it dry out because they don't refill it, I got to go back and prime the filter, right? It's not going to filter right unless it's primed. It's the same thing. We're not drinking and our filters run dry. We can have this momentary dip where it might dip under 60, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have kidney disease. This is why most of the time, your members aren't going to get a diagnosis unless it drops under 60 and stays there three readings in a row. Or if you're an athlete, if you're training for Ironman or some crazy competition, you're burning a lot of muscle, keep in mind the GFR is derived largely from the creatinine, which is a byproduct basically. In a nutshell, it's a byproduct of muscle metabolism. It passes through the kidneys largely unchanged. This is why we use it to estimate the glomerular function, ergo, that abbreviation EGFR, estimated glomerular filtration rate. So if it drops under 60, it might bounce back up. Maybe they're dehydrated, maybe they had a kidney stone, maybe they had an infection, uh, maybe they had an acute kidney injury. Maybe somebody was septic, and when you're septic, meaning that now you have a bacterial infunction, a bacterial infection that's raging through the body such that organs are starting to shut down. We quell the infection. Now everything can come back online. It's a temporary acute hit. Sometimes members can actually go on dialysis temporarily while they're recovering from an acute kidney failure, right? An injury to the kidneys such that the kidneys temporarily fail. Keeping in mind that, you know, your kidneys can take a hit but repeated hits are really hard to come back from, right? So this is why uh, when we work with members, we wanna make sure that they understand all these little nuances about their GFR, how to track it, how to find it in the first place. Have you brought out your labs? Have you found your GFR? Can you tell me what it means yet? This is really important. This is gonna help guide our members to having meaningful conversations with their physicians. Why should I be, or why shouldn't I be worried about kidney disease? Why aren't you worried about my GFR? Explain it to me, Lucy, right? If I take my car into the mechanic and I know just a little bit about cars, I'm gonna be able to have an intelligent dialogue with my mechanic such that I can learn how to get better gas mileage. I can learn how to extend the life of my engine, take better care of my car. It's the same concept. We wanna help these members understand some of these factors and how it, how their situation, their lifestyle, their comorbid conditions, how are those playing a role? How does diabetes play a role in kidney disease? Why? 
How does my high blood pressure, how does that affect my kidney disease? How does gout affect my kidneys? I feel it in my toe. So you're now you're telling me it's a factor with kidney disease. What about my snoring? You're telling me my snoring might be putting me at risk for kidney disease. These are all factors that our specialty nurse coaching program is going to go into the weeds and go with those members and really help them understand this, this pathophysiology very simply so that they can put into practice some self-care measures that are going to help them mitigate this. And so early on, what we find is that we can catch these folks down here. Now, once you drop under 60 and you stay under 60 and you have a diagnosis of kidney disease, you never get rid of it. So that means, doesn't mean that it can't improve. A member can certainly, let's say we catch it and they're down in the 40s and now we're working with them and we're mitigating those, those the pathophysiology that's, that's causing it. And they can absolutely, I've seen people double their kidney function in as little as two or three months in working with our nurse coaches. So say you have a member who's in the 40s, if they double it, they're back up in here. Does that mean they don't have kidney disease? Absolutely not. They still have kidney disease. It's just now at a stage one, right? So this is really an, or a stage two. So you can have people with a normal GFR and they can still have kidney disease. It's super important. It's fairly complex. Um, so this is the strength of the kidney disease program is really to help mitigate the high cost of, of dialysis upstream. If you wanna save the most on dialysis, and cancer for that matter, right? Don't get them, don't let your kidneys fail. Don't develop cancer or catch cancer early enough that we can treat it and have a good outcome, right? It's the same process at play here with dialysis, mitigating, truly mitigating in the most powerful way, um, mitigating the cost of dialysis is gonna be to prevent it in the first place. Keep in mind, uh, your commercial insurers, those of you who have, um, or helping your employers, um, those, those groups, they're going to pay four times, at least four times out of Medicare. This is a huge difference in terms of the cost uh, for the plan that you're serving. The average cost, the average bill charge we see here in the United States for dialysis is about $830,000. You can see here in this graph, this far left, this represents total bill charges for a group that had eight different members on dialysis across the US. So each color is a different member in a different geographical location, okay? The status quo solution is gonna to be to negotiate off of this very arbitrary bill charge. Why is the bill charge what it is? Because it can be, right? It's a duopolistic market. So it is what it is simply because it can be. So if we negotiate a discount, the average discount that we're seeing is about 38.5%. We're gonna tack on an 18, sometimes 30% admin fee. And what we have in terms of a paid claim is still largely unpalatable. This, the the uh, case rate that specialty care management provides is unique in the fact that our average savings for the case rate are almost 78%, 77.5% across our book of business across the United States is robust indeed. But what you see here, this leveling effect is truly profound in that through our case weight, we, we actually create an underwrite for each named beneficiary, a fixed cost. So dialysis is no longer wild and hard to predict. It becomes a truly budgetable line item expense that your group is gonna understand upfront each and every month what 
that member's dialysis is going to cost. And because of that, it becomes highly predictable. And certainly, you can see the implications that that has for stop loss and renewals. It's very robust. Again, keeping in mind the best way to save these savings here with our case rate are, quite honestly, they're kick butt. I'm really proud to share that with you. Um, there's nothing like it in the market. But I will tell you, the best way to save is to not develop in the, in the first place. This is an example of a typical kind of participant who's going to participate with uh, the nurse case manager, the specialty case manager. They're going to work with a nurse to understand their diagnoses. What's the pathophysiology at play? And how is their self-care at home and on the job? How is that going to impact their not only their kidney disease or their risk for kidney disease, but their overall health and well-being? It's profound. We often see members who are able to put their diabetes in remission. I've seen folks get off of insulin and oral medications in just a few months and working in concert with their nurse coach and their physician. The nurse coach is gonna facilitate communication and really gonna help bolster the relationship between the member and the provider such that it really drives the ROI. Any good case management program, nurse coaching program, should result in an ROI. If you're not seeing ROI in your current solution, I'm gonna tell you it's probably the right, the, not the right solution. There's work involved here. There's groundwork where the nurse and the member really work hand in hand to help mitigate those costs. And as you can see here with this particular member, between improving GFRs, losing weight, um, improving blood pressures, uh, almost a $23,000 in saving. I've seen programs like this save literally millions of dollars for groups and certainly result in a better outcome for members. If you wanna know more how to mitigate this high cost claims type and the risk of therein, give any of us a call here at Specialty Care Management. It's truly one of our favorite things to talk about. If you can't tell, it's definitely <laughs>